It's great to be here with you. This is going to be fun. I've, I've, I've been looking forward to um, connecting with you um, for a while now. What's what's interesting is I still remember um, when I first met you, and I had just stepped into pastoring here at Seattle Bible Center, and you knew you knew my pastor, mm-hmm. and um, and and you knew kind of my story a bit like you knew kind of the the other pastor gill would confide in you and there was all this relationship and when i met you you were pastoring i don't know if that's what they call it you know you were part of the part of uh, the parish there leading there you were the um the priest there at saint luke's in in in, um ballard yeah the term we use is rector comes from an old english word meaning ruler i like that (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome that's awesome yeah. I, I want to be a ruler um <laughs> and um uh and and you were you had such a you you, you had such a compassionate heart mm-hmm. um and you just really took me in and, and began introducing me to different city leaders um different um uh, gathering opportunities in, uh, within this greater seattle area and it was just it was I was reflecting today, you know, it was through the relationship through that, that I had with you where I got to meet people like Pastor Doug Heck, e- even mm, Keith Kippen, uh, Jeshu over at Jake's house. Um, yeah. uh, um, uh, you know, so, so many incredible leaders I got to meet because of your willingness just to receive this 27-year-old kid, very mm. green, coming into pastoral ministry, and you were so prophetic and just, re- you were like like a guide, for me you know you were like Thank like you. like kind of a yoda for me stepping yeah. into this whole new kind of thing where i had no idea and so i just want to start off by saying thank you for yeah, that's lovely you thank know for, you. for being that you know yeah. well, i want to be that for people thank you yeah I, I, absolutely and um i thought it'd, it, it'd be fun to actually dive into the conversation of you know you are really like um you know seattle well and and you and you're such an integral leader in in the area in seattle and and i remember when i first stepped into the ministry here you began giving me kind of like the um historical revival blueprint mm. because i'd always heard that seattle didn't really have much of a revival heritage and i actually thought it'd be fun to really capture sure. some of your insight into some of the um re- some of the revival wells and some of our revival heritage here in seattle mm-hmm. if you're good with that if, if sure. that's maybe a good place we can yeah, start happy off to do that sure yeah it's a very significant area I mean, you look at John Jacob Astor, who was an entrepreneur in the 1800s. He really felt that this was would be the economic engine for the whole United States. And uh, it has been in a significant way. But also in the spirit, God has done some amazing things here, raising up uh, movements that have grown in music. You know, everything from grunge to, you know, Jimi Hendrix. Mm. 
You know, true, all, true, all true. those things. So it's it's been a birthing kind of a place in so many regards. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I remember you went into some of the detail regarding um, some of the actual churches that are still there in, they're not necessarily revival centers anymore, um, but there are these churches in downtown Seattle that actually were, actually maybe most of them were birthed out of some sort of context of revival. Is that that true? Do do I remember that that accurately? And it was kind of interesting because we're uh, about a half a dozen of us that gathered together on a weekly basis to pray for the city in the core. And five of us were in sort of these historic uh, churches that had had experienced you know revival and awakening and had touched the city and beyond you know what, what, are, what are some of the more notable like what are some of the some of the moves within seattle's uh history that 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 really kind of as i don't know when you think about revival in seattle what are some of the things that, that you think are really quite notable about our history that maybe many people don't aren't even aware of yeah well, um, you know, in the early part of the 20th century, they, they had a revival in the Presbyterian Church. And the Presbyterian, there was, one of the churches was 10,000, which is huge. It's one of the largest Presbyterian churches wow, in the world. Wow, wow. And uh, the pastor there had great influence. I mean, he was a close friend of the mayor. And, um, it's, um, and then, you know, with spiritual renewal, there were uh, churches like Philadelphia Church that had an impact. They planted within the city here. And, uh, of course, there's St. Luke's, uh, our parish. There were uh, several in the Ballard area where we were. And uh, St. Luke's was um, uh, used of God to really establish the charismatic renewal. Um, and that went global. It was really quite remarkable. It's the largest revival in church history. Yeah, More I'll, people I'll, have come to Christ through that. I wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, sure. would, would you? Would, c- c- um, so you were the, the, the rector. Yes. <laughs> At um, St. <laughs> Luke's for how, for how long were, were, were I was were there, there ten years. Ten years. That, that's yeah. incredible. And um, can, yeah, can you bring us into some of the history there with St. Luke's and the charismatic revival? Sure. And because a lot of people don't aren't they're familiar with the Jesus People Movement, but sure. they're not necessarily familiar with with what took place in Seattle through that whole charismatic revival. Right. Well, let me back up a little bit. At a watch night service in 1900, this at New Year's Eve. There was a, a Bible school in Topeka, Kansas, where they were really pressing in to say, you know, is, is it true that the Holy Spirit is at work today? And this lady uh, asked for the release of the Spirit in her prayer language, and she got it. She prayed for three days straight. She really got it. And uh, there was a gentleman there who was attracted, actually, to this. He was a black man. Wasn't allowed to sit in the classes because of the racial stuff. and But sat in the hall, got a revelation of this moved later to California and settled into a small little community uh, in a poorer part of the city, Azusa Street. He was there for about a year and a half, just pressing into the Lord. And then in 1906, this revival exploded, which is the classical Pentecostal revival that wow, you were part of. Wow, right? wow, wow. And then uh, by 1950, there were about 50 million uh, spirit-filled believers. But then with media and various things, um, mainline churches began to um, leaders began to be impacted by this. And Father Bennett, who is probably the most prominent, he was known as the father of the charismatic renewal. He uh, embraced this experience of tongues and the Holy Spirit, the present work of the Holy Spirit. I would describe in many churches that the Trinity, in a functional way, is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Bible. And so people <laughs> were really afraid of the, of the Holy Spirit. Right, right. And there's been abuses, right. you know. I think the cure for abuse is not disuse, but right use. Amen. And, Amen. And so, Amen. We, you know, we, need, we don't put these things away. So what happened when Father Bennett came 
to Seattle. The same week, there was a feature article in Time Magazine, or Newsweek, I forget which one it was. And that was sort of free advertising. And people came, they opened the door on Friday nights to have information sessions. And he would just give his testimony. And uh, about a thousand people a year uh, came to faith and came into this experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then it just sort of went out uh, from there. So he arrived in July of 1960, um, having had the the experience initially in, in Van Nuys, California. But people really freaked in this church. And he said, I love you people. I don't want to cause division, you know. And he was very gracious. He was a great spokesman for the movement. So, so you have this, you have this um, kind of Catholic revival take, taking place. And mm-hmm. when I think of like the like the Catholic Church or like Mass, you know, I yes. think of, the, of something very, you know, you know um, um, sc- scheduled or kind of liturgical. Something, you know, like like there's. Um, you, kind of predictable, and, and you could certainly say the same thing about what we do with, with, sure. within whatever we whatever we do. You know, uh, my my question is is um, so he would get up and he would he would tell his testimony and mm-hmm. he and he would just talk, yes. and, and and then all of a sudden the fire of God would fall and people start speaking. To, like, do you know what? As far as I guess my question is regarding kind of like service order and did okay. did, did, it, did it still look really did it still feel like mass? And yet there was this moment where. <laughs> where it'd go pandemonium and fire would start falling and people start, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Or did it stay really kind of structured and yet there'd be people like, how did he get up about that? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, uh, in his particular case, he was very adamant about the fact that the Holy Spirit could function within what was already happening and enrich that. And so... Um, so it the, wasn't like out with the structure, in with... <laughs> no, he, he, he really felt that this was to be embraced within our tradition. And uh, now some people will have a different approach to that, but he uh, felt if, if we went too crazy, as it were, uh, that people would reject this. And he felt that it was something that God was bringing power and healing and all this kind of stuff back into the church um, in, a, in a fresh way. And it would fit within those structures. See, the, the, the whole experience you mentioned about seeing in the spirit, that kind of thing, uh, that was part of, that was normative in the early church until about a thousand years. It sort of died out. When the church split east and west in 1054, um, the Eastern Orthodox is, is the second largest tradition. What happened was um, they, you know, we'll get that adjusted. Push, it, push that in there. <laughs> uh, in, in the Eastern tradition, they still, uh, at the end of the consecration prayer, blessing of bread and wine, they they say amen, and they just burst into into tongues. The early church fathers called it jubilation. So it, what Father Bennett called this renewal, it was a renewing of early church life in reality. And so he felt that it could happen within the structure with any any church. And uh, sadly, what happened uh, overall is that it sort of became another option. Okay. That there was sort of high church, what we call more Catholic, and then low church, evangelical, and then the charismatic was sort of another part of, Interesting. of church life. Interesting. Yeah. And so now... Um the gift of tongues being restored—that was a major part of that of that move. Was yes. it? Was how about like like miracles, signs and wonders? Was that also a, a, a major part of it, or was it more focused on salvations with the with the restoration of? I, I would imagine there was even a restoration of aspects of community and maybe yes. 
a reflection of first century Christianity being restored in yes. there as well, you think? Yeah, all of that. Uh, Father Bennett really went back to basics. He would, I mean, when he led people into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, there were sort of four steps that he followed. First was either to reaffirm or to receive Jesus in a personal way, to know him as your Savior, that Jesus is alive and you can have a relationship with him, right? And then the second, he, he encouraged people to do spring cleaning, I call it. He just sort of <laughs> said, if there's anything that's in your life that you know, that you probably shouldn't be involved with, just put it aside. As they said, you don't want to bring, you know, stuff into a deeper relationship with God. It'll just cause confusion. Well, at that point in the information service, people would walk out. You know, they'd say, I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. And they'd get, you know, he, he said that happens every week, you know. And he was very gracious about it. And then the third was simply to ask, you know, and say, this is a gift from God. And then the fourth, he would say, begin to glorify God, but don't speak in your own language, English or whatever your heart language is. And the, the people would be released in this heavenly language that the Holy Spirit would give. But he felt that that was really important. It was the key for Western believers because we tend to be up in our heads a lot. Right, right, right. And, and this was a, a, a spiritual um, uh, knitting together. You can't pray in the Spirit without the Holy Spirit. Amen, know? amen. So that... What it did was release people into a deeper experience of the Holy Spirit. And so in my own case, that's when I began to see the miraculous, because the Holy Spirit was loosed and bubbling up, you know, within me. Wow. Like that. So wow. it's very exciting. But Father Bennett really emphasized the fruit of the Spirit, that character, Christ-likeness, wow. was mm -hmm. really central, and that these other things he sort of threw in. Like he talked about tongues, he said, you know, when you buy a pair of shoes, Tongues comes with the shoes, right? <laughs> right, right Tongues right, comes right. with the experience, you know? And so uh, he, he sort of uh, dumbed down things a bit, you know, not uh, oversimplification, but he just sort of made this accessible to people, which is lovely. Well, what about, you, you, you mentioned um, this form of singing in tongues that was like a normal part of the services. Yes, in, in the, the early church. And there was a name for that. Yeah, they, the early church fathers called Jubilation, comes from the Latin Jubilate, and it sings, Sing my soul unto the Lord. No Jubilate Deo. It's a sort of a popular chorus for kids. And it's just opening our hearts to the Lord. And that's what happens in the Spirit, is that our vocal apparatus is linked with the Holy Spirit. And we begin to glorify the Father. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. awesome. It's really interesting because talking about how revival can work with existing structure. Mm -hmm. And um, um, I was just recently um, uh, uh, reading about this whole, about um, the doctor, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, right? Yeah, the, the, the Presbyterian minister, who I believe was born just after kind of the, the ending of the Welsh revival. And so he was born into kind of a post-revival um, culture within the church. And, and he writes about the... Um, the sadness of heart that he would feel when he would see people trying to um, do different kinds of things in order to conjure up right. the experiences of, of the past. And, yes. and a commentator noted on, on, on this whole particular period of time that um, you never enter into Narnia the same way twice. It's mm -hmm. mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. this idea of being able to tap dance our way into into a, a copy paste dynamic of a previous revival experience. And I was just wondering if sometimes if um, if we if we have too narrow of a mindset concerning mm -hmm. what 
what revival is because maybe if the charismatic revival were to take place now maybe there'd be several of us within the charismatic stream that might even have difficulty classifying it as a revival because of how structured it seems sure yeah well there's different seasons different ways that things will will operate and sometimes we think that our own experience is the norm that's right that's Um, right uh, well, I come from Eastern Canada, eh? <laughs> so, uh, oh, I thought I heard that accent, eh? All did. right, yes, okay, did, eh? okay, let's do this. <laughs> so, uh, I often tell a story about these hunters, uh, this hunter going out during deer season, and he fell down a well, and uh, he uh, knew he was in trouble. That he was wet from being in the well, and if he didn't get hauled out, he would probably die overnight. So he began to bargain with God. A lot of us tend to do that when we're in trouble. God, get me out of this. So uh, what happened was he uh, said, God, if you get me out of this, I'll quit my job, I'll go to Bible school, and I'll serve you the rest of my life. Well, not two minutes later, this guy fishes him out, and he was true to his word. He quit his job and went to Bible school, got ordained, and put people down wells the rest of his life, you know, because he just thought, you're going to get in touch with God. You got to get into a well, <laughs> right, you know. Right, 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 and, right. And, but there's many ways story. that God <laughs> will really minister to us and, and manifest His love to us. And you can see that in church history, different seasons, different cultures, different things. And basic is uh, it's often a result of hunger that people say, "This isn't the way I see things in the Bible," or "This isn't the way wow, that wow, I want. Wow. I, I, I want to know God more." You know, you look at everybody from Smith Wigglesworth to that. I mean, God really put a hunger in his heart to, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He's, he read it in the Word. He said, I need to be empowered by God. It wasn't about him. It was about the Lord. He, God really put a hunger. You know, and that's what happens. And God will respond to that and, and lead people into deeper encounters because he loves us. Yeah, amen, amen, yeah. amen. Um, John, so... Your your background is 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 in kind of I mean you can't I we can't really put John Rodham in a box like like if if you try to put John try to put John in a box John's gonna break out of the box you know God didn't create John and yet um so you have this ability to kind of flow and and merge and minister in a, in various streams yeah. and I think that a lot of times we wrestle with we wrestle with the diversity within the body of Christ. And we tend to think that God has his, his preferences for his favorite kind of streams. And, mm-hmm. and there certainly is so much diversity within the kingdom of God. And, and, I, and I wanted to ask you this question just because I appreciate the honor perspective that you, like you truly, you truly appreciate the diversity I'd say within That's the kingdom of God, wonderful. perhaps beyond, um, any other leader that I've ever seen as far as mm-hmm. such a deliberate, probably, I don't know if you know Mel Ming. Um, with, with He'd be very similar. He, he, he's mm-hmm. got multiple doctorates and multiple degrees, all with, mm-hmm. all with different um, seminaries from different theological streams. Um, so, John, how can you help us who tend to gravitate towards a token stream to think that it's 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 the it's the more pure expression of the kingdom and can you help give us kind of an overview of the different streams the different traditions and what you and what and what you have found very helpful in your relationship with the lord as far as the different impartations that you've Mm -hmm. received from these different streams wow 
That's quite a question. <laughs> if um, it's possible. <laughs> I'll just sort of begin with my own tradition. We're sort of in between the Roman Catholic and the Protestant traditions. We call ourselves the middle way, the via media. And so we, we've sought in the renewal streams of, of our tradition to embrace three different um, overall streams. The first is what I call the Catholic or sacramental stream, which is very ancient and uh, certain rites that have emerged from the early church. There were seven families of, of liturgy in the, in the early church that you can sort of follow along and, and, and explore. Uh, so that's one. Uh, the second is the evangelical, which is sort of Bible-based, calling people into a personal relationship with Jesus, um, you know, repenting from sin. And, and receiving Jesus, receiving the salvation that he offers. Uh, there's a, a third expression, which is known as the charismatic Pentecostal stream, that talks about this encounter with the Holy Spirit that manifests in a deeper intimacy with God, knowing him as Abba, and knowing him as Papa. And uh, so these, these streams uh, enrich. So often when I'm teaching in different settings, I'll talk to people if I'm in a Roman Catholic setting. I say, you know, there's lots that we can learn from these other, other traditions. You know, one of my favorite stories is this uh, guy who's teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and um, these people had never heard about it in the Catholic tradition, Roman Catholic Church, and so he invited um, people to come and respond to receive this gift. This little nun just drops down on her knees in front of him, really freaks him out. Just to make sure, he led her through the sinner's prayer, right? Make sure she was saved. <laughs> right, right, and right. then she said, uh, ask for this gift. And this is her prayer. This is really what happened. She said, Jesus, I've known you all my life, and I've been called to serve you as a nun to, uh, to a life of prayer, and I love you, Jesus. And tonight I heard about this gift. It's brand new. I've never heard about this before. And I'd love to receive the gift of your Holy Spirit and to be able to glorify you in my prayer language. And if you don't give it to me, I'll tell your mother. <laughs> so there's a little spin in each tradition, awesome. you know, isn't that wild? It's so funny. That's great. It's so funny. But uh, I think that we can all learn from one another, you know, um, that there's sort of this core. There's a 16th century expression in essentials, unity. There are some essentials around the Christian faith. There are people that don't, or traditions that don't fit really within that. Um, and uh, uh, then... So in essentials, unity, we're united around the person of Jesus, yeah, you know, yeah, the Trinity yeah. and chorus, stuff like that. In non-essentials, diversity. You see, there can be diversity in things that aren't really essential. You know, sure. like what our buildings look like or, you know, how we are configured, you know. Um, and then the third is, but in all things charity, in all things love. Sure, and, sure. And so that's uh, a really good pattern to govern our the way that we relate to people that are different from us. It's, I love different good. cultures. You know, my wife is mixed race. Uh, her dad was black. Her mom white. I call her Heinz Fifty Seven because <laughs> she's just a little bit of everything there <laughs> right. beyond that. Right. And I love that. I grew up in a very bland white environment, and uh, I've just enjoyed. Well, you can tell I enjoy food. Uh, just all sorts <laughs> of biblical. different things like that, of course. So uh, that's the richness also in the body of Christ. You know? Yeah, and, um, and going back, you know, because you brought it up regarding, you know, honoring the, the, the mother of Christ. And, mm -hmm. and when it comes to deifying the mother of Christ, right. and, um, and certainly many, many evangelicals would say there, 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 can, there can be hardly much partnership, let alone 
relationship because we would consider that to be a major form of idolatry do you think um where are you at with 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 the whole thing of like the 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 significance of the saints and the significance of of the mother of christ and do you think that that um because I, I would say that here at sarah bible center and in, in, in the streams that i typically run with would be probably more of a blending between the two that you mentioned evangelical mm-hmm. with the more with the charismatic stream right. and so there's not necessarily a lot of integration of of the catholic faith you know and um and sometimes maybe more so out of fear of if you're integrating or or playing too well with with the catholic brethren <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know that that could get un- that that could be unhealthy sure and so so yeah so what do you think that there could be some aspects of of our expression within more of the evangelical charismatic community where maybe we've done a disservice as far as maybe even um not just having healthy boundaries but maybe even dishonoring the saints and and as, uh, so i'm kind of curious as far as where, where you're at with that yeah um i guess uh in regard to other traditions I, I want to celebrate what we have in common more mm. than what we are different. That's good. You know, I think that there are, uh, are are things that are what you might call spurious or sort of you can't have a lot of biblical support for a particular belief. That's good. But I wonder sometimes what's worse, um, you know, some of these quirky things that are out there or some traditions who actually deny the presence and the reality of the Holy Spirit. Oh, interesting. You know? Interesting. And, and uh, so I begin to sort of say, hmm. So, but when you look at the richness of each tradition and at the core, you can really celebrate those. There are some uh, bridge things. Uh, if people are interested in exploring some of the uh, distinctives in Roman Catholicism or the Eastern Church, uh, there's a, a book called Home Sweet Rome. And, uh, really? and it, it's an evangelical who became a Roman Catholic and really address some of these some of these issues now uh, you might find that that's not satisfying you know the arguments but at least there's a presentation you know with that uh, some people would simply describe the communion of saints that the, in Hebrews it talks about this cloud of witnesses mm. you know that I love we're not it. alone in that, that. Yeah, I love it. and so um, the idea of engaging that in a cult way is something that's strictly forbidden you know in Deuteronomy for example at the same time, Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with two Old Testament people who had died. He was interacting with them. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. And, and so you begin to say, okay, there's some blurry lines here. You know, how, how, how do we deal <laughs> right. with this with the communion of saints? And so my Roman Catholic friends, and this, I just tell them this isn't part of my background. Sure. Not that I'm rejecting that, but I'm just saying I, I tend to be, the Anglican Church tends to be a little bit more rigorous in terms of the biblical witness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, you know, the things that aren't really, you really can't found on that, uh, you say, well, that, that's helpful for some people, but this isn't where we sit. Okay. So uh, uh, if I was to ask you if I had an, a particular need, I'd say, would you pray for me? Okay. Uh, within the Roman and the Eastern Church, it's the same kind of extrapolating that a bit to say, um, I'm invoking the intercession of the saints in the cloud of witnesses to uh, to pray no i don't do that okay, okay. but but i can understand that kind of sure, thinking sure, sure. and, and, and uh, rationalization but um uh, but this is where when you sit down with people toe to toe and and uh, you know really have a, a meaningful conversation you can agree to disagree uh you can um you know really uh, but the whole idea of where people will take pot shots and really don't understand sure, sure. Know, the, the whole thing. 
um, I don't think that that's helpful. Sure. But sure. with the media and everything that's going on now, uh, we can research these things and explore the riches of different traditions. Yeah. Like and that. you know, what, what's interesting is that there's been a, a resurgence or a revival of acceptance within more of the mystical charismatic community yes. for, uh, for an honoring towards the, um, towards not just the saints, but also the Catholic saints. Yes. And so I remember reading, um, uh, you know, John Crowder's the new mystics and mm-hmm. he goes into great detail into the Catholic uh, mystics and yes. into the desert fathers. And these, these different people that I didn't even know it, it was okay to be studying. These yeah. Guys yeah, with, it's a whole different you know, world. Isn't it? It, it was, it was incredible. I, yeah. I, I was so fascinated. These, yeah. these, these, um, very quick introductions to these saints and mm-hmm. some of the incredible things that they, that they did. But there's also a very, um, there's also a very, so there's a mystical side of Catholicism that has, that, that has, um, that is, uh, integrated with charismatic mysticism, if that's okay to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and there's also a revival of, I don't, I, maybe not a revival, I don't know what you want, what you want to call this, a greater integration of even Jewish mysticism. Mm-hmm. With so, we, so it's very interesting because you see the, uh, Roman Catholic kind of mysticism, and then you see Jewish mysticism all kind of flowing together, and, and you're wondering, okay, what's okay, what's not okay, what's mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, and so it's very it's very interesting. If you talk to the, us, us. <laughs> in the middle here and i'm just processing through this john um i am good this is an observation i'm good with honoring roman catholic tradition and the and jewish tradition and i'm also recognizing this great kind of stirring up of the of 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 really these wells i say mysticism is really kind of like i would say the active presence dynamic within these traditions where Mm -hmm. there is these very intimate relationships between people in the past and you know, and, and the Lord mm-hmm. and, and angels in heaven and all of this. Yeah. But it is also interesting that there tends to not be within the Jewish community, the ability to honor the Catholic tradition because of the roots of like what they would say is like anti-Semitism mm-hmm. within. So I find that I find that kind of, that kind of interesting. And again, I was not aware of any of that stuff until you know until i met with a rabbi and i and i noticed that he was unable to really honor um a lot of the uh um wells within the catholic community almost because if you can't accept the jewish community then nothing good can come from you Mm. and so um i don't know if there's a question there john but i'm just kind of just talking through some of these things that that I would talk with you about anyway over a coffee, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> just because it's just things I'm thinking about what God is doing right yeah. now. With there's the been room, incredible, with the there's been incredible wounding, you know, within the church and how we related to other other faith groups, and um, uh, that that there's it leaves a legacy. You know, I've seen that uh, we've had the privilege of getting to have close friends that are in the Native community or in the Black community, and the wounding that's happened. You know, with the dominant culture overseeing that, it really parallels a lot. It does um, it does? You know, some of the divisions in the church. We are part of what's called the Judeo-Christian tradition. We, Jesus was a Jew. You know, his early followers were Jewish, and and so. Uh, you know, how do we engage that? How do we do this in a, in a helpful way? And uh, I think that there are good precedents historically um, that we can learn from. Uh, one of my heroes in the 
Pentecostal tradition was David Duplessis. They called him Mr. Pentecost. <laughs> and uh, he could meet with Ian Paisley, who was as anti-Catholic as you could get, or he could go to the Vatican. In fact, he traveled on a Vatican passport, you know. But he was a, 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 a Roman, uh, he, he loved Roman Catholicism, uh, you know, the people. It's, it's a people issue. And this is where the charismatic renewal sort of cut across the different cultures to come back to, to simple things. To come back to a relationship with Jesus, Amen. to come Amen. back to, you know, honoring Him in our lives, you know, Amen. And, and living a consecrated life unto Him, to to know that he, His Holy Spirit dwells within us. A big deal now within the church is what I call identity theft. You know, we've we've uh, we really don't know who we are as children of God, right, and right, uh, there's right. this orphan spirit where a lot of leaders are competitive and territorial and. Um, well, we're secure within ourselves. We don't have to prove anything, you know, that we're, we're children of God. Amen. And, uh, and, and out of that, that places us in a, a position where we can engage others without being threatened by them uh, and, and to talk frankly, you know, with them. I, people describe me as a very gentle person. You are. But I, <laughs> but I, can be I would very, agree with that. I can be very, very direct with people. And it surprises people, but I think that love, you know, speaks truth. And as, as I would understand it, I don't pretend that I have the whole corner on the truth. But uh, I've had fascinating conversations with people. I, I say, well, I'm really struggling with this. And can you help me with this? And it's, it's lovely to see that, to move across different cultures. And, that. and so I come with an expectation. Some people um, don't want to look beyond their own sphere because it's, it's a threat. I, I, I've never looked at it that way. And I think this is my dad's influence, that he really was very open to look at different things. And um, I'm very thankful for that. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Hey, yeah. um, John, what about when it comes to like um, uh, interfaith and kind of the unity movement that's happening right now and, and, uh, and in, in, in our city here, it, it, it comes underneath the umbrella of kind of the ecumenical uh, right. kind of gatherings. Um, yes. That are doing a, a lot of good, yes. very a lot of good for, within the, the cities. Yes. Uh, probably more good than than a lot of the other Christian circles and streams. Yes. And I would say, as far as just practical, real integration into um, justice issues, mm -hmm. um, I've I've noticed feeling uncomfortable <laughs> sometimes, surprised or shocked as far as who's at the table for for the for the conversations right. and wondering um a certain point in time where this because i think ecumenical wouldn't be interfaith is that right well there's a difference there's a lot of fluidity now with with all these kind of conversations that are going on um inter interfaith speaks of other traditions islam you know hinduism various things like that other world religions ecumenical has been it's sort of passe a bit, but that generally speaks within the framework of the Orthodox Christian Church. Yeah, that's what, that, that's what you'd think, and and um, and so I was I was surprised to meet you know the um, I don't know what they call him the the residing elder of of the local Mormon Church right. um, within our city, yes. um, him sitting re right next to me and him honoring me for saying you know they had me share a little bit of my testimony, and so. I was shocked. I, I didn't know even how to handle being honored by this Mormon um, 
lead elder over yes. the over their temple for saying yes to the call of god yes. <laughs> all, all my life and honoring my, my grandpa and my dad he said i think that's really incredible and i'm thinking i wouldn't even i wouldn't even say that we're part of the same religion or the mm-hmm. same the same mm-hmm. the same faith in here yes. you know so i i honored him as well and then and then and then also the whole group at one point being invited to tour the um the uh the shiite temple in the area and and go and learn from the shiites and mm-hmm. and um uh and, and at a certain point i i, I disconnected from it mm-hmm. just because i i there was and there's just a couple of things that were said where i just felt like i i didn't feel you know and now i'm talking i actually i wanted to ask you a question yeah, okay. and my question was regarding um partnership and and because on one hand we're, we're all about christian unity Mm-hmm. and openness and diversity within within the kingdom of god and um and so for you john as you've been navigating and as you've been like building incredible relationships with leaders all over the map city leaders religious leaders where do you feel like are those are, are there are there boundaries as far as um friendship versus partnership mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. have there been times when 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 the lord was like you can't be at this table anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's very painful when that happens, particularly within my own tradition, because there's a major rift within the Anglican family, uh, with the what's called the Global South and uh, the North American experience. It's called the Global South yeah, this versus the, the North American experience. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So you know, I identify more with the Global South okay. experience, which okay. represents eighty-five percent of the communion, but. There's others that have embraced, and it, it would take a long time to unpack, okay, but, okay. but it really revolves around uh, our understanding of Scripture okay. and the authority of Scripture. And so one of the things I look to is to say, okay, the people, like I feel I can have really close and, and engaging conversation with you because uh, at the core and essentials around the nature of who Jesus is, who mm-hmm. God is in the Trinity, uh, the nature of the of the scriptures, uh, we're pretty much on the same page. Sure, sure there may be sure. some subtle things, you know. Sure, but uh, and so that's sort of the bedrock for conversation. And so I don't apologize for that. I'm not trying to be arrogant about that. I'd say I'm a Christian, and this is this is part of my belief system, you know. In this, so I really, um, you know, when, when I'm talking with uh, someone of another faith system. I really try to engage them as um, a fellow human being and per- someone that's many times seeking God, you know, uh, and in a way that may be different from from where I am. And uh, and this is where I think we need to recapture the, the nature of the gospel because the the Christian gospel, uh, God confirmed His word with signs following. You know that Amen. power Amen. In, is is something really quite remarkable. So I've had many instances where. Uh, for example, I, I prayed, uh, went in to meet with this pastor who was death against uh, tongues and all this stuff, but it was, you know, and he had no idea who I was. I mean, here I was the former pastor of the church that caused all this stuff, right? <laughs> or, or, you know, right, uh, right. brokered this, you know. And uh, so I, I asked him about his, he just loved Jesus, just a wonderful guy. Yeah. And then I began, I said, can I pray for you? And I just, I asked the question, Father, What's on your heart for this dear, dear man? And he he just began to show me some things. 
and I began to pray and he wept and wept and he and I heard afterwards he said if you have an opportunity to have John Rodham pray for you, <laughs> you <know? laughs> that's incredible. That's but, awesome. Um, I wasn't, and I'm saying that not to no, say that I'm so wonderful. Absolutely, that you Jesus are. is amazing. You know, <laughs> you and are so wonderful, you, John. You can, Listen to anybody watching right now. If you ever have the opportunity to have John Rodham pray for you, in fact, I'm going to have you pray for everyone before we end. Yeah, because <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. Yeah, but this is the thing that that as we're settled into the love of God. In First John, it says, we love because he first loved us. Amen. And, and there's no object to that. In the Greek, it's, uh, sometimes it's translated, we love others or we love God. But it says we love. We have the capacity to love because he first loved us. And when we're tucked in the Father's embrace, we don't have to prove anything. We just let him shine. Uh, with the controversy around the scriptures, for example, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, who was a great <laughs> 19th century preacher, he said, we don't need to defend the Bible. The Bible is like a lion in a cage. You just let it out of the cage. Wow. You know? wow. And, and so he just proclaimed the truth of God's Word, and it transformed lives. That's the power of, of God's Word. It's amazing. So that's sort of my starting point, is in, in the Word uh, like that. Because it, it, it changed my life, personally. But also, historically, that's been the basis of historic orthodoxy is how do you appropriate and live into and honor the authority of God's Word, you know? Yeah. And, um, and then out of that, when you're settled within, you can talk to other people that may not share that belief system. You don't need to be threatened by that. You pray and, and say, God, may I show your love, you know, that they may be drawn uh, to you, that I may be a light, you know, that uh, uh, stirs a hunger in people's hearts for an experience. That's what happened to me. I mean, when I was in junior high, I said, can you know God? You know, is, I believe that things were created by some force or some person behind that, but I said, can you know him? Mm. And that was the beginning of a quest that took several years to have that encounter with Jesus. Because I thought Jesus was like Santa Claus, mm. you know, <laughs> right. good for little kids, you know, but yeah. when you grow He's up, a little, you know. little skinnier, but <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but, uh, in that whole experience to encounter Jesus changed my life. Wow. You know, I would describe myself as an up and older, you know, I had everything. My dad was a lawyer, but I didn't have at the core of my being that reality of knowing God, knowing his love and, uh, his graciousness just changed and melted my heart when I met him. Wow. It still does. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I want other people to experience that. Well, and, and you definitely, any opportunity to interface with you, you definitely radiate the Father's love mm -hmm. in just that, the place of the peace of God. That I mean, you just really walk in that. And the gentleness, as you as you mentioned before. I, I wanted to ask you, so when we we met, you were you were the, again. I love saying the word rector. You were at uh, at Saint Saint I Luke's call myself rector, the benevolent, rector, rector. The, the benevolent dictator. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, at Saint Luke's in Ballard right. in Seattle. Yes. Um, and uh, it. How would you describe Ballard? Oh, Ballard's an interesting place. It's Norwegian in its roots, and uh, it's been a a place of of great revival. Uh, at different times. The the joke at the uh, UW, uh, the University of Washington, was that uh, they, they studied this. There's a little video that says, for every bar that was planted, they had to plant a church. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. I've heard and that. You, they, they've actually quantified this, so they, they, at different 
the decades. They say there are X number of, of bars and you know, same, and they would increase. It was pretty funny. <laughs> um, so, but it's it's a community of real contrasts. You know, um, the whole Alaskan fishery sort of emerged out of out of Ballard. It's a one point one billion dollar industry. It's wow, huge. Wow, you wow. Know? And at the same time, there have been seasons of revival. I mentioned Philadelphia Church and their involvement in Indonesia. There, there was um, E.W. Kenyon had a Bible school. It's a block away. Really? And he had a huge influence in, in the church. Uh, he wasn't evangelical, but yeah. um, he, he, he wrote on identity incredible and various books, things. Incredible yeah, books. Just, just great stuff. And uh, St. Luke's, of course, which is very prominent. A uh, friend of mine, Mark Driscoll mm-hmm. uh, at Morris Hill, very influential. Um, uh, we, I was speaking at a conference in Orlando recently and bumped into the Acts 29. Now, there, there's been a, a, a breach within the movement, and uh, Mark's no longer involved directly with that. But he was the catalyst to get this, this church planning movement up Because you, you, were, you were pastoring in Ballard the same time that Mark well, was Mark pastoring. Was so we get together from time to time. Sure, sure. Brilliant guy. Just, I, I love his heart. Absolutely. Um, and I, I was very sad with how things unraveled there. And there's other stories that you, you could go into with Because I was going to think, like, when, you, when you and I first connected, 2010, it hadn't even really come into its thing yet. It was, it mm-hmm. was, it was building, but they were still just at the one campus there. Yes. And, um, but it, I was thinking about, you could, you could easily say that that was a revival in, in Seattle. Oh, sure. Totally. And. Yeah. And this is the dynamic with Ballard. I call it the the boom and bust kind of thing. That there's, um, you know, things will explode and then get cut off. You really, know, it's very interesting. You, you see that kind of dynamic happening. Sadly, and uh, would that be a, would that be a spiritual would that be a spiritual thing or or don't know like that. almost like a curse or something? Or I'm not sure. <laughs> the Ballard curse, you know. Yeah. But there's been that. We break know, that curse right that, now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> But uh, that was one of the interesting things about Father Bennett, because he was a very astute theologian, and uh, you know, there's some pretty crazy things that emerged in the in the renewal. But he was really able to keep things quite centered. And some of the books that he wrote, the Holy Spirit and You, for example, and even chronicling the first ten years of the revival in the book Nine O'clock in the Morning, mm-hmm. it still is an amazing read. And for him to be able to oversee and support that. Um, I'm sure that he was saying, oh, Lord, I need your help with this because, you know, they're just fascinating things. It was a whole new territory in many ways for him. But he had that grid of the scripture. He had yeah. that grid of, of the faith uh, received, you know. And uh, uh, he, he, he was a very courageous man. I, I really honor him. When I, when I went to St. Luke's, I bumped into this lady, and uh, she said, oh, you're in Father Bennett's parish. And I said, Yes. She said, oh, you've got big shoes to fill. I said, I'm glad you noticed I wear size 14. <laughs> you do have big <laughs> I, feet. <laughs> I don't, uh, I, but I don't have to be anybody else That's than right. myself. That's right. And when you're secure in that place in the Lord, you can rejoice. I mean, in the legacy. You can, you can honor other people and what God is doing and love people. You know, Amen. you may not necessarily agree with everything, you know, but... Um, you you honor and bless people and you do that beautifully too darren thanks sean thank you thank you thank you it's lovely i was gonna we 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 keep hitting on this this idea of diversity and unity and we we keep kind of coming back and 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 i and i wanted to ask you about um race 
mm-hmm. um, and ra- racial unity and segregation r- within this institution of, of the church as we know it right now. Because yeah. I've been thinking about this quite a bit just recently. And on one hand it, hand, it would almost seem like within society, one of the most segregated environments um, is the church. Yes which I think is so sad considering not just the prayer of Jesus in John 17, but just the heart of Jesus that we would be one as he is one. And so I wanted to dive into that with you. I've been thinking about this whole thing of the importance of color and um, within the kingdom and not just color, but the importance of there to be, um, you know, this, 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 this phrase that we use all the time on earth as it is in heaven and what's heaven going to be like and what's partnership in heaven going to be like, you know, and, and, and how important of a conversation, you know, I, I, I just like, you know, you were on several different city conversations and, you know, I was on, uh, I was, I was a chairman of a city board and got to see the workings of a city and consulted with, with our city here in Newcastle and several mm-hmm. different projects. And I see the importance and the gravity on the conversation of racial diversity and the accountability associated with it almost maybe to 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 an extreme and then i and then and then i wonder to what degree does this conversation matter within the church not you can't force anything to happen but but i've i've just been thinking about the kind of things i think god wants to do in a generation and in and and in revival um, demands for there to be a greater multicultural, you know, expression yes. where it's not just the black service and then the white service or the old people's service and the young people's service, but that there would be a, a multi-generational, multi-ethnic kind of. So I wanted to dive into this conversation with you, John, as far as the importance that you see for there to be a greater eagerness or gravity on the church to be having these conversations and what you think is keeping is keeping that stuff stuck and what you feel like the Lord's doing in the bride right now when it comes to on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. If I could bottle that up, that would be really pretty amazing. <laughs> I'm and then touch, write a book on it. Yeah, I want to touch on a couple of the things that Please I do, think yeah. that God has shown me. Uh, at the root is relationship. Relationship with God. Relationship mm. with others. Mm. I remember... Um, talking with a friend in the First Nations community, and he said, we don't want to be projects. We want to be friends. We wow. want to establish mutual relationships. Wow, that, wow. You know? huh. And uh, when you approach things at that level, some, some hard conversations happen because wow. the dominant culture has done some pretty nasty things. Wow. I grew up in a community where we had a sunset clause that anybody of color had to be out of town by the time uh, you know, that sunset fell. Really? Wow. Uh, to wow. the time wow. it got dark. And, and so... And that's Canada, you know. Now, our racist is more hidden, you know, in Canada. In the United States, it's more more overt. And it's very, very painful right across the board. Mm. Um, I learned something very valuable in a, in a ministry called African Enterprise. And they were the organization that brokered the un, unraveling of apartheid in South Africa. Wow. And they still have their problems there. Sure. But, They've had some significant breakthrough, and it was a result of prayer and conversation and and divine intervention in many ways to bring healing in that land. Mm. And uh, so that's been chronicled. You can you can uh, look that up online and and explore. But the bottom line, what would times, you look up again? Well, African Enterprise as a ministry. Okay, awesome. And, uh, awesome. Cassidy was the 
the um, the founder and and really the broker of that. They brought Henry Kissinger and big guns in, you know, wow, to wow, broker wow. reconciliation. And the bottom line there was it required an African solution. There were cultural issues that needed to be addressed, and so Africa, African enterprise is something that's indigenous. You know, wow. it's a Christian ministry overall, but they have other expressions in the culture, and uh, they were able to really broker that. So I think we can learn from other uh, times and Amen. seasons where, where pain has happened and, and, and healing and reconciliation has happened. Not that it's going to be the same with us. Sure, sure. But we, we can learn from these incidents um, as a, sort of a case study in that sense. Absolutely. Uh, but the bottom line is relationship. I often will look for people who have strong cross-cultural gifts that understand their own culture but can communicate with people in, in a broader sense and and they're very important in the conversation because they they are able to bridge the language gap mm. you know between two cultures absolutely but uh, there's a, a real need i think for people in the dominant culture and we are as white english-speaking folk european background many times uh, that we need to repent you know mm-hmm. uh, sometimes i think we kind of get stuck in that repentance you know, sure. I'm sorry for this, and we need to be sorry for this. Sure. And then to say, how, okay, how can we step beyond this hand in hand toward a healing community, toward uh, a place? And people will deal with, well, like grief, you know. I've been a pastor for over 30 years. Some people, uh, it takes a long time to get over the loss of a family member. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and that's okay. And so the process of reconciliation is a process. Wow, you know? wow, wow. So we've been very privileged to be part of that. Um, and uh, But in some regards, I don't know if I've really scratched the surface in many ways with things because uh, a lot of the issues are very, very complex, complex and very, very uh, painful. But uh, friendship and relationship can sort of help people move through these things and beyond these things many times i like that a lot because what you're saying is that um this conversation has to be done around relationship and not just around some sort of statistical outcome yeah so that we can be like hey 50 percent of our staff is (laughs) you know multi-ethnic or 80 percent you know it it can't be about that it has to really be about um relationship and and real real people real faces real names um and and it has to be done around around at the same time the courage for people to start having these conversations mm-hmm. of why why is my you know why is my community look exactly white yeah. like me yes. you know <laughs> you know and it is you know because i don't know we're comfortable around people that look like us that act like us that you know but as believers should our should our communities look different than unbelievers yeah <laughs> i'm really blessed when i come to src uh, because I see such diversity in culture and color, and and that really points to your heart, <laughs> you know, Darren, of of really caring for people and honoring people. I, I feel uh, that when I engage you, and and that well, I was going to tell you something funny on that because when okay, so when I stepped in to pastor at twenty seven, you know, there was a large segment of our congregation that looked like Pastor Gail, and so there's a large segment of our congregation that that were female yes. um, and single. Yeah. And um, and so what we were told is when you become a pastor, 
certain segment of the congregation is going to leave because the person that they've been looking to as there's this feeling of connection. Um, but don't worry because within a period of time, you're going to attract people that look just like you, you know, um, young families with children, your same age. And, and so I was cracking up because, you know, I've been pastoring now for 10 years. I'm still wondering when that's going to happen. Um, because Mm -hmm. what happened was the church began to grow, but it began to grow with people that looked nothing like me. (laughs) And on one hand it was, it was, it was hilarious and it was a blessing. I wasn't mad at God at all. I mean, our church began to grow with uh, people of all different cultures and, Mm -hmm. you know, backgrounds and, you know, but there's a common base in one sense is that you're able to communicate a a lovely, uh, accessible, uh, vision of the kingdom. You're a wonderful vision caster and the people have bought into this here and it's, it transcends race. It transcends culture that people can come and say, this is something that I can really stand with pastor Darren and, and so I, I think that what's happening at SRC is very, very unique. I think that your posture to be a church of, of great impact in the city and wow. beyond, wow. Wow. Uh, it's not your typical, I mean, you've really made a commitment to revival things, uh, but it's sort of like the Toronto church. Um, they were a vineyard church, but they had other features that were part of that. They related to Elijah House and other healing ministries yeah, it's true, it's true. and had a sense of, the Father's love. And of course, that's where things with the vineyard sort of style renewal, but it was really a manifestation of the Father's love. But people talk about the laughter and that, but really it was. You're right, you're right, you're right. That was like the revelation. Papa God, you know. And, and you're holding forth a revelation of God, I think, that people need to hear. People need to hear in the church. And so I just really honor you and bless you for the heart. I don't know where that came from, Darren, but what you're carrying is. It's lovely. It really is. It really is beautiful. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. No, that, 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 that's awesome. It means a lot. It means a lot. Yeah. And, and John, what do you think, um, it's so fascinating to, just to see what's happening right now within, within the church. Lots of transition, mm-hmm. lots, of, lots of different directions, going mm-hmm. lots of different directions all at once, yes. very, very quickly. Do you have any sort of insight as to as to what's coming kind of oh, like wow. the next kind of wave or trend or yeah. or maybe it's even more of like what's in your heart what would you desire to see kind of coming for yeah. the church yeah um i as i'm really glad you asked me that question because i haven't talked a lot about this um i have a sense that the lord is going through a season of refreshing now and and recalibrating and realignment uh and uh uh, the Toronto experience was part of that. I have friends that were pretty skeptical and they went and they had an encounter with God and it changed their lives and touched them. Some awesome. of the stuff that went on there was pretty pooey, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, from, sure, from sure. more conservative kind of perspective. <laughs> sure. But um, at the same time, God was very much there. And there's a refreshment that's been happening across the body of Christ. I think that uh, that is leading to a restoration of prodigals by the, not so much people who haven't encountered Jesus, but people who have extraordinary giftings. Um, I mentored a, a guy who was a wonder worker, and uh, it was funny, he was kicked out of a very prominent church in on the West Coast here, three times had called the police on him. I, I put my <laughs> arm around him. Wow. I mean, he was a crazy guy who was really dealing with a lot of rejection issues wow. and stuff. Wow. But he began to minister with a lot of grace and gentleness, and he tore up the town. 
I mean, it was really quite amazing. You remember when Philip went down to Samaria yeah. and signs began to break open? Yeah. That was happening with this guy. Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. Well, that's another podcast. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Some we'll of do that one. Sounds incredible. But um, anyway, um, I think that there's a restoration of these extraordinary gifts. And uh, um, Alan Hirsch talks about where's the ape? Hmm. You know, where's the apostle? I haven't where's heard his name prophet? in a while. Yeah. Where's yeah. the evangelist? You know, APE. Yeah. And because the church is dominated by, by teachers and pastors. And, and we need teachers and pastors, but we need these other expressions. These are called the nomadic gifts, which equip people and, and cause the church to mature and, uh, and, and equip people for, for day-to-day stuff, you know, ministry. So this restoration of these uh, prodigals uh, and welcoming them, realizing that these gifts are needed in the, in the mix uh, are important. Then this reorientation of, of the body. Uh, I think will lead to a profound harvest, and, Amen. and I think Amen. God is 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 really stirring. There's a, a profound prayer movement that's happening, and uh, uh, people are really yearning to get close to God. I had the privilege of going to uh, China in the early 2000s and ministering to leaders in the underground church, and God gave me pictures. I was weeping most of the time there. I thought, who am wow. I to talk to these people? Wow. You know, all my insecurities bubbled up. It's crazy. But God gave me these pictures, and the first thing that I did, I got down on my knees in front of these folks. One guy had a church of like 10, 10 million. That's a third of Canada, or a quarter of Canada. You know, it's just amazing. You wow. Know? Um, and uh, I get down, and I said, I need to ask for your forgiveness for our arrogance in North America, thinking wow. we know how to do church and wow. kingdom stuff, and we don't. <laughs> right. You know, we're, right. we're like the church that's naked and poor and, and, Amen. and wow. you know, emaciated, you know, and we need your prayers. And they began to weep. Wow. And they began to call out on it. The Holy Spirit just fell. Wow. Those are sort of my benchmark meetings. Wow, you know, that that's we had. awesome. They extended them. It was really, and it wasn't about me. I as best I could get just get out of the way you know and said Lord you know you want to bless these people and it was stunning you know what happened but um, that really taught me an important thing that you know people in the two-thirds world are carrying a burden for North America you know we there's a disconnect that's happened where I think that we're like the church in Ephesus where we've yeah. lost our first love yeah, yeah, and yeah. that's where I'm sort of coming back to the basic things and that's what was the core of the charismatic renewal. i agree Just i agree knowing jesus uh learning to hear his voice and you know the goal is to become like jesus jesus said i can do nothing on my own i only do what i see the father doing i only do what i hear the father saying so i pray regularly lord can i see with your eyes wow. and would you help me to hear with your ears and that's what happened with that guy that i told you about earlier you know that i went and prayed for i just said lord i don't want to pray for this guy what's on your heart <laughs> Shows right. us, right? I mean, it's it's amazing. It's really simple, but we get caught up in sort of religious activities and various things like that and programs. True. Yeah. He really wants this. Uh, one of my favorite stories, if I if I may, Please. there's a guy that was number two in a very prominent ministry, and I won't go into who it was because I don't want to bring any sense of reproach to sure. that work. Sure. But uh, he moved powerfully in in the spirit. But he had a problem, a very, very personal problem. And uh, he lived about four hours away, called me up, and he said, my wife and I want to come and, and meet with you. And I said, sure. 
So they arrived, and we went up to the prayer tower at, at uh, St. Luke's. The prayer tower. Yeah, well, that was where Father Bennett had I his office. I love the prayer tower. It's like this secret it Holy Spirit. Cool well, there's certain spots where the residual presence of God resides. And, That's right. And that, I think, That's is right. one of them. I have friends that would go up there and pray. That's right. So we went up, and he unpacked this. I won't go into the details. It's not really that important. But um, he said, I've gone to... Elijah House, I've gone to RTF, I've gone to all these healing ministries. He said, I even had Benny Hinn pray for me, mm. you know, and I started to laugh. And he kind of looked at me, I said, yeah, no pressure, John, you know. <laughs> now he's come to me, I'm like, what? Now fix you it, know, yeah, right. <laughs> fix this. So I said, look, I don't want to um, insult you, but I've come to realize that, that God really loves us, and he calls us into a very simple, straightforward relationship. And I said, I just want to talk to him about your situation, if I may. And so I said, Lord, I'm with one of your sons that you love, and he's really struggling in, in this area of his life, and he's tried to find ways through this, and he's, he's been stuck for a long, long time. Would you show us what's going on here? You know? Wow. And we just sat quietly, and I had a very simple picture, um, and it was actually a picture of being in a, a schoolyard and he was being bullied. Mm. And uh, this, in this instance, it really wounded him very deeply, and it, caught, it was the root of this behavior. And, um, and so I said, did that make any sense to you? And he said, yeah, that happened. I said, has anybody in particular come to mind? And he said, yeah, I'll take closer. I thinned the slouch. You good, you good. <laughs> so what happened was uh, he went through the routine, you know. Um, I love the prayer, Father, I choose to give this person a gift they don't deserve. Wow. I choose wow. to forgive. Wow. Wow. You know? That's good. And people don't deserve to be forgiven. We don't deserve to be forgiven. It's true. It's true. And we want to look for some justice, you know, or, or retribution. Mm -hmm. But he, he knew the routine. He just said, release the person. And I asked the Lord to touch his heart, to heal his heart of that wound, you know, where he was wounded. And, um, and th that was it. And then I said, well, let's just ask the Lord, is there anything else? We spent a lot of time just in listening prayer, just mm, saying, God, really good you job. know what's happening? Yeah. And um, five minutes later, he was with me a total maybe of 20 minutes. And then he drove another four hours. I felt, oh my goodness, you know, <laughs> 20 minutes, you know. But uh, he wrote me three months later and said, uh, it's gone. Wow. Just, uh, wow. He said, for decades, he's been struggling with this. But he said, it's gone. Wow. And, and I thought, Oh, yeah, praise ever, the Lord. I said, am I ever good? No, I didn't. <laughs> I, said, I am amazing. You? I said, God, you are amazing. Wow. You know, and the scriptures say, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works, but glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, I was privileged to be an instrument of that healing, but it was God who directed it all the way through, and the honor goes to him, you know. And uh, I just love uh, this way of life. I mean, Jesus has changed my life profoundly. And it really is that core relationship. There are points when I'm not a happy camper. And I'm just saying, God, I don't know what's going on here. I don't understand this. And uh, would you help me? And he'll either send somebody to me or he'll show me something in scripture or whatever. You know, and I realize, oh, you've been so, so faithful. I've been a, a follower of Jesus for 40 years. Wow. And, and wow. You know, it's it's been been a really fascinating journey. I come out. I don't know anybody in my hometown that, that had a living relationship with Jesus. Hmm. Okay, but he began to stir the hunger in my heart, and then when I met him, it just changed everything. Wow. You know? So uh, yeah, 
yeah. love them. <laughs> you it's, do it too. Shows, it shows, John. It shows. In. What I love is that you you, you always you just keep bringing it right back to relationship, even to the example that you just gave, where you yeah. you, you said, "Hey, I don't know. Let's." Let's let's resort to our relationship with the Lord. Let's not yes. approach this in a formulaic, yes. scripted kind of. Th- let's just talk. Let's just talk to God and see what He has to say. And yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's what I love about you, John. Is just this 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 um, this desire to make sure that it's always about the first love, about our first love for God, and making sure that we're taking that love and massaging it out and unfolding it out into the relationships around us. And John, would you be willing to just um, pray for people that are either listening to the podcast or watching on YouTube today where they have just kind of thrown in the towel on relationship? Like Mm -hmm. they've been there, done that, tried Mm -hmm. marriage, tried church, Mm -hmm. tried trusting people, and it just didn't go well for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, And even tried relationship with God, and now they've resorted to some sort of formulaic, maybe magical kind of thing where you can do spirituality outside of relationship, which mm-hmm. I, which I think is getting more and more popular right now. Yeah. Would you be willing just to, and you might want to say something, but, but if you'd also just release a prayer that would maybe help people process and get unstuck. I think that'd be, yeah. I think that'd be awesome. I was wearing a t-shirt one time and I, uh, my life changed when, um, I had an encounter with the Lord about 20 years ago. I was training people and, uh, all of a sudden, I was off to the side, they were praying for one another, and the Lord said, John, I don't want you praying for divine appointments anymore. <laughs> thought, what's wrong with that? Right. And then he said it the second time, and I thought, everybody prays for divine appointments, right, you know, that right, God will right. work through you. Right. And then the third time, he said, I don't want you praying for divine appointments anymore. You are a divine appointment. Wow. Because Jesus lives inside me, and wow. it changed everything, you know? So one time I sit in the restaurants now and places in the back like a gunslinger. I don't I want to watch what's going on. Yeah, sure. And I, I say, Father, let me see with your eyes. Let me let me hear with your ears. And um, so uh, this, I went up to the till to pay for the meal at the same time as this guy. And he said, you're either a soccer player because I had a T-shirt on that was a manual. Mm-hmm. And he said, or, or a, a pastor. And I said, I said, well, I'm a pastor. He said, can I talk to you? He said, I made a deal with God today. He said, you need to show me who you were. I'm going to quit this searching God thing. And I started to laugh. He said, what are you laughing at? I said, I think I'm the answer to your prayer. We wow. formed a, an amazing wow. friendship, you know, that I had That's the privilege awesome. of being able to just share with him and, and talk with him about the goodness of God. So, you know, God will respond to the heart cry, you know. And there probably are people that are listening to this that maybe are being stirred toward the Lord. And not quite sure how to do it. Um, I just want to pray into that. I'll do the Anglican thing and close close my eyes. That'd, that'd be awesome. That'd be so good. <laughs> so, Father, you've been part of this conversation all along. And I know that there are people that are listening that are saying, wow, this is interesting. Can you know God that way? Or can you know God at all? And so, Lord, I ask that you would come just in that quiet place in these folks' hearts to show that you are real and even dare to to pray a prayer like god if you're real show me and you do that i've had so many testimonies of people that have seen your kindness come to them when they've asked so lord uh, for those of us who know you that you would take us deeper that uh, your love is without bounds we can't know fully the extent of that 
but would you use this conversation to really cause people uh, John G. Lake said the greatest thing I could ever give to another person is a hunger for God mm. that you would st- cause hunger to rise in our hearts to know you and walk with you and my counsel is simply to find a quiet place and just be still and say God come Lord Jesus would you come and show yourself to me and, uh, and just listen and be swept up in his embrace and know that you are cherished that you are beloved of him and uh, to make yourself available to that reality. And that relationship would grow and deepen, and uh, that he would work through you to bless many, many people. So there's a prayer in the Bible that I love. Uh, I want to bless you. Under God's gracious mercy and protection, we commit you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you, gazing upon you with tenderness, and great delight is his beloved son or daughter, and that his peace, his shalom, would come to you and fill you and refresh you and heal you, and that you would be known as a person of peace, a person of his shalom, a friend of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So good. Thank you so Thanks much, you. John. Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks. You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review. If you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's the darrenshow.com. That's the darrenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame or you can give it five stars. And that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's the darrenshow.com. Thanks guys.